This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at 5.15pm, where I host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. I'm Howie Lim. And with me are assistant sports editor Jonathan Wong and correspondent Cezali Abdul-Aziz. Guys, hello. Hi, Howie. How are you? Hi, Howie. Good, thanks for asking. So lots to talk about. Let's start with the English Premier League returning this weekend. Fans around the world, no doubt ready for their fix of English football. Liverpool, of course, begin the season as defending champions. But Manchester City, runners-up last term, are expected to put up a better challenge this time round. But easily one of the biggest EPL talking points over the summer break has been Chelsea's transfer activity. The London club have spent about £200 million. That's an eye-watering $360 million Singapore dollars on reinforcements. Which of the signings are you most looking forward to seeing in action? Jonathan, let's start with you. It probably has to be Kai Havertz, the German international. He reminds me a bit of Frank Lampard, the Chelsea manager. He's a box-to-box midfielder who scores a lot of goals. And I think last year, they had William and uh, Pulisic getting about nine goals each in the league. William has left for Arsenal, so they sort of do need someone to come in to fill that gap. And uh, Kai has, I think he reached double digits in terms of goals in his last two seasons at Bayern. So I think he's probably going to be a one to watch. And Cezali? For me, it's, it's the striker, Timo Werner. I think mainly to see if, if he will deliver on the hype. Chelsea solely missed a goal scorer last season, particularly in the second half of the season. So he's seen you know, by many people as, as the perfect solution for Chelsea. But whether he can do it remains to be seen. It's not easy for strikers to come into the EPL from a different league and, and be an instant success. I'm also interested to see whether veteran defender Thiago Silva will be an effective presence in their back line. Again, last year, you know, they, they, they lacked a bit of experience at the heart of defence. And certainly, a, a season hit was welcome. But at 35, you know, mm. and having played the last eight seasons in a, in a far less competitive league in France, I wonder if he'll be able to adapt to the EPL. It reminds me a bit of Manchester United signing Laurent Blanc in, in 2001. You know, he's obviously also a, a very decorated player, but he was also 35 then and he turned out to be a huge flop. So, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a gamble to me. But it looks like Chelsea means business, not to say that you can always just throw money at the problem. Do you see them, though, being able to mount that challenge against Liverpool and Manchester City? I actually don't. I think it will be too oh. soon for them to, to, to suddenly be you know, at the level of, of Liverpool and City because obviously City and Liverpool have you know, moved up to, to a whole different plane in the last couple of seasons. On paper, of course, as you mentioned, their squad depth is incredible but you know, football is not played on paper mm. and I think Frank Lampard will have a tough time to get his team to gel particularly because of the short pre-season this time around. And also, I think he will find it difficult to keep his squad happy. You know, players who got a look in last season, young players like Tomo Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Tammy Abraham, you know, they'll all see reduced playing time definitely this season and he'll have to make sure the morale of the, the players do not go down and worst case scenario, he might even lose the dressing room. What do you reckon, John? Pressure's on Frank, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Saar said, you know, he, had a, he brought in a lot of young players last season and that was also because of the transfer ban and I mean, there was a lot of goodwill, uh, him being an ex-Chelsea player, so there was no pressure on Frank Lampard last season to, to perform and he did pretty well on getting to the FA Cup final and getting to the Champions League but I mean you, when you spend 200 million pressure is going to go up on him and there will be a huge amount of scrutiny on his tactical uh, abilities this year Let's talk about what's been on everyone's lips for a bit Lionel Messi a couple of days ago it looked as though City might be able to complete one of those most shocking transfers of all time by signing Messi from Barcelona Messi has since made a U-turn though on leaving and decided to stay in Spain for at least the next season. What do you make of the whole saga surrounding uh, who's touted to be the world's best player? John? 
this is a tricky one. I mean, it's it's, it's really <laughs> half time in terms of this saga. I mean, if you think about it, yes, Messi is going to stay at Barcelona for for one more year at, at the least. But you know, they they sort of have a, won the battle but really lost the war because they have a an unhappy player who's their captain, and you know, it's probably going to be corrosive for the dressing room and. Who knows how how motivated he will be, and he will probably leave next year for on a free transfer. So you know they have him now for one season, but you know there are so many more problems at the club besides just having an unhappy Messi in the dressing room. It, it, it was a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, the news came out of the blue. You know, Messi has requested a transfer. Never in the last fifteen years would you have thought he would, you know, be angling for a move away from Barcelona. And then you know the idea of him linking up with Pep Guardiola and and playing in the EPL at thirty three to see him adapt to English football or of perhaps English football adapt to Lionel Messi. Mm. It, it was so fascinating, but you know, as John said, you know, he he he's not going this year, but it seems it could well happen next year when he runs out his contract. So yes, the world waits with a uh, bated breath to see if Lionel Messi can actually start his stuff in in the EPL next year. Let's go back to Chelsea, though. They kick off their season with a game away at Brighton. How do you think they'll fare? They have all this transfer news going on, and where else are you keeping your eye on for the first game week of the season, Sazali? I think they'll they'll have it tough. Brighton are not a a, a bad team. They they sort of you know they're mid table team. You know some people tip them potentially for relegation, but they are a very well drilled team. And and I think as I mentioned earlier, you know Chelsea with with all their new additions, uh, they might find it a bit tough to gel so quickly. They might be a bit disjointed. Brighton are well drilled and they'll find it tough. But I still think Chelsea should have enough quality to to scrape through a win. Elsewhere, I think you know Liverpool and Leeds. You know obviously very interesting to see if Liverpool can hit the ground running and and Leeds. You know, great to see them in in the Premier League after so long, and you know, obviously to see Marcelo Bielsa as the manager, you know, for the for the first time in English uh, football's top tier, and also Spurs, Everton, Spurs, obviously with Mourinho and and Everton with you know Ancelotti, two huge name managers at the at the helm of both teams. So there's quite a bit of expected from both of of these clubs. So, you know, it would be interesting to see how they they start off the season. Mm, Jonathan, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to the Liverpool Leeds game. I think we are just really excited to see Bielsa's. Leeds and and you know the kind of football they would and obviously it's a tough challenge they won the championship last year but you know what a start right to to your first Premier League uh, game in 16 years against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool so mm. that should be a that should be a cracking game honestly speaking of crystal balls or cauldrons if you will who do you think will be champion and which manager will get the sack first. That's a tough one. I mean, I, obviously, you can't really look past Liverpool and City, but I'm just going to throw a dark horse inside there, and I think Wolves, without uh, any European football, I think they will do pretty well. Mm. I mean, with a shortened, with a with a longer season of no breaks, I think a team that doesn't have to play in Europe and has just one Premier League game a week, I think Wolves. You know, they they have a good squad. It's all kept together. They could they could spring a challenge. Suzali, that's actually re- really interesting. I I I didn't really factor that in because you know you, you look at teams that are in Europe, you know Liverpool, Spurs, Spurs especially. You know they have to play some qualifying games for the Europa League, and they have a really really packed schedule. So so that could be you know a big factor. But you know I I still think you know based on on you know the simple fact of of quality, I think it will still be Liverpool lifting the title. But Manchester City will be close closer than they were last season. As I mentioned, Spurs, Spurs they are dark horses to me. You know it's it's whether. Mourinho can drill them into a championship team, or you know, it'll all blow up in his face, and and you know, he'll probably get the sack before the, the end of the season. <gasps> uh, although the first manager I think will get the sack is is David Moyes at at uh, West Ham. Why? I, I think they're not doing uh, that bad, are they? 
Yeah, but I think they have some, you know, really, really tough fixtures. I don't think David Moyes particularly is a fan favourite. And I think all, all it takes is, is a bad run of form. They, they didn't really particularly do well last year as well, but he kept them up. But I think if they don't, you know, have a few good results, um, you know, early on this season, you know, we could see him get the boot. So talking about Spurs, the eight-part documentary series on Amazon, All or Nothing, has gotten some people talking. I mean, have you guys watched it? What did you think? It's no Last Dance by Michael Jordan, but... Oh, I don't... I think you're sending it short, uh, Howie. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, it, it, it's All or Nothing, but it really was the Jose Mourinho show. I mean, Jose is fantastic at it. I mean, I've seen a couple of episodes and he just, he, he's just box office. He comes in, you know... Uh, after Pochettino has been sacked and, and you can see immediately how quickly he gets the players on his side. I mean, there are, there are great examples of him, you know, taking people like Belly Ali aside or Harry Kane and just, you know, getting them all fired up and, and he, he looks like the kind of guy that, you know, you will run through a wall for and, and, I, and it's just a great insight into the kind of person that Mourinho is and, and, you know, they talk a lot about his tactical nuance but, you know, really, look at this, it's, it's how he, he gets the players to to fight for him so much. It, it's amazing. It's, I love yeah, it. Yeah. No, no, no doubt, no doubt. I think, you know, Mourinho is the, the star of, you know, this All or Nothing uh, series. I think, as you mentioned, you know, sports documentaries are, are all the rich now given the success of The Last Dance. And basically, it's sort of the same formula with the football ones. We've seen it before with Man City, Sunderland, Deeds and, and now Spurs. Mm. You know, there's unprecedented insight and access, you know, into what goes on at clubs and, and a peek at the personalities, uh, the players and the managers. And like John said, you know, him, him having conversations with Harry Kane and, and Deli Ali, you know, telling Deli Ali to his face, you know, you got potential, you know, but you're lazy. And I was, yesterday, I, I, I was 20 years old and now I'm 56, you know. So, stuff like that, you know, the way he, he sort of gets into his players' heads, I, I think that's so fascinating. We're at halftime now for the Straits Times Game of Two Halves. You can listen live on Money FM 89.3 from 5.15pm every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. On to the second half of the show, we saw a couple of unexpected incidents happen in some high-profile sports events over the weekend. In the Italian Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton finished seventh despite starting on pole with Pierre Gasly winning the first race of his career. John, you're Straits Times resident Formula One nut. Just how big a surprise was this turn of events in Monza? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a huge surprise, but I think it was a great race for F1. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because it looks like Lewis Hamilton's about to wrap it all up already, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you don't want another Mercedes front row winning first and second. So it was great to see Gasly win, uh, first-time winner. And, you know, especially after all his troubles at Red Bull last year where he got promoted to the senior team along Verstappen and then he got demoted because he wasn't driving well and you know he always had the talent but I think he struggled a bit with the expectations at Red Bull so to see him do well was great and mm. I mean you're right Lewis will probably be kicking himself for that pit entry mistake and penalty that he got but I think it on the flip side he probably this will probably motivate him even more because now he'll be like you know I really want to to get that record from Schumacher. He's got 89 wins, two behind Schumacher's 91s. And I think you'll see an even more determined uh, Lewis Hamilton this week and the, the Tuscan GP. So another big shock over the weekend was Novak Djokovic's disqualification at the US Open for striking a ball at a line judge. What happened there and what does this mean for him? John? We, I think we all woke up and, and saw this shocking news. I mean, I think Djokovic was up in the first set and, and then he was down and I think he just lost 
his temper and, and when he just accidentally hit the ball backwards, you know, in frustration and it hit the linesman in her throat. And because of the rules of the Grand Slam, in terms of physical abuse, he, he was disqualified. And mm. it's a huge shock. I mean, he was, it, was his, it was his slam to lose, you know, without Roger and Rafa there. You know, everyone expected Djokovic to win this tournament and get his 18 Grand Slam, which would be just two behind Federer's record so you know it, it was a huge shock but I think and also just the way it happened you know after he, he got disqualified he just left and, and, and didn't want to speak to the media and tried to plead his case with the, with the umpires so there's a lot of criticism that's come onto Novak and uh, I guess understandably so because of this but there's huge implications I guess for the rest of the tournament because now you know you, have, you don't have him as I said before Nadal and Federer aren't here so probably looking at a first time Grand Slam champion a new Grand Slam champion since Marin Cilic in 2014. John mentioned, you know, woke up this morning, went on Twitter and I, and I saw the clip. At first, I laughed because, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't know how serious it was. And then, you know, I found out he got disqualified. And, and you know, obviously, afterwards, you know, reading some articles, I, I, I learned that, you know, the, the line judge was struck in the throat, which seemed pretty serious. So, you know, after that, I, it sort of dawned on me. But at the same time, you know, I do, th- I, I do feel for him. I think he should, you know, be given a break. You know, I, I know he's, he's done his reputation no favours, you know, holding that exhibition tournament, which became a, a COVID hotspot almost. But, you know, this time, I, I actually do feel for him. You know, he was, he was inadvertent. Probably he shouldn't have done it. But, you know, obviously, he wasn't aiming for, for the line judge's throat. And, you know, I felt the, the line judge was a bit too dramatic for my liking. So, <laughs> you know, all I, right, I feel like... by the way. <laughs> yeah, she is, she is. I know uh, Novak has since apologised on his Instagram and, and he feels horrible for it. And I still think, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's been a bit too harshly treated or condemned in this case. That goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Glad to have you both in the studio, Jonathan and Suzali. Thank you. Thanks so Thanks, much. Thanks, Bye-bye. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.